part two. Coming at you, Faith in the Fresh Vibe, podcast season four. I am Rohadi coming at you from Treaty 7 lands. We are all, all treaty people on the northern part of Turtle Island. This is part two of a two-part series with Charlotte Donlan. Find her online at Instagram and Twitter, Charlotte Donlon, D-O-N-L-O-N. Find her book, The Great Belonging, How Loneliness Leads Us Into Each Other. I value her voice, I value her vulnerability, and her story is one that pulls us into her experience and then reminds us of our own, I think, a level of vulnerability and depth in our own reflection of our spiritual longings to belong will go a long way, especially in the moments and in the chaos of a pandemic world. we got to dig deep into these spaces where we're hurting. Charlotte, she offers a book that's accessible. It's not meant to be a devotional, but it can be consumed in little vignettes like that. And I think that makes it open to those who want to just take on little bite-sized pieces at a time, because there are ideas and moments where you just have to pause and linger in feelings and in the emotions. So we're going to continue our conversation here after getting to know Charlotte a little bit. We want to dig deeper into her story around loneliness and what produced her book. And then after that, some imagination for expanding our understanding around vulnerability. story. I think it's your ability through your writing to peel back the layers of the reader because you show your layers through your writing. Vulnerability, I think, is a way of survival for me because um, in 2007, I was manic for several months before we knew what mania was. Um, or the people in my life, like before, you know, things were spiraling down, but it wasn't until November of 2007 that I was admitted to an inpatient psychiatric facility and diagnosed with bipolar disorder. At that moment, when my whole church and all my whole neighborhood and all kinds of people knew I was in a inpatient psychiatric facility, I was like, I think this is rock bottom, you know, like, (laughs) I hope this is rock bottom at least. And, um, I was manic for several weeks, even after I was discharged. And then I hit the depression, which was very deep and very wide, um, and was depressed for several months. And during that time, I was like, I can either pretend this isn't happening and like try to make it pretty if possible. I don't know how you would do that. Or I can be honest and tell my story, invite others into what it means to have mental illness and to be a Christian who lives with mental illness and open up about things so that people have space to be honest about their lives. Mm -hmm. And 
I had learned that through leading small groups with my husband, we were small group leaders at our church for several years. Like you said, like being vulnerable invites others to be vulnerable. And um, so it had kind of become a way of life. But then when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was like, this is the only way I'm going to be able to survive because covering this up or faking it Mm. or pretending this isn't real is not like, I'll be back in the, I'll be back in the hospital. (laughs) Because I think that's one reason I ended up there in the first place was mm-hmm. pretending for several years that everything was okay when it wasn't. And I write about that in the book a little bit. Um, so the vulnerable, like once I started kind of being vulnerable, it just, it's natural for me. And I do see it as a privilege to be honest about certain things because I know not everyone has that um, ability, you know, people have jobs and, you know, that their bosses can't know certain things or they have family members who don't need to know certain things. I also think some people aren't as vulnerable just because it's uncomfortable. And regardless of the reason that people can't be vulnerable or honest, I see it as a privilege to be able to, you know, I'm not going to get fired. I don't have a job where someone can fire me. I don't care what people in my church think about me with regard to this. I don't care what people on social media think about me. Like if I lose a book deal or whatever, I don't care. Like, I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to be honest. And, you know, if certain things don't work out the way I would prefer, that's fine because the feedback I've gotten from people who appreciate knowing they aren't alone in their, um, suffering is more important than anything I might lose. Thank you so much for your honesty in this book. It's, it's a window. I think that lets others be honest. It's an invitation to let others be honest and, and to develop a vision eyes to see their own wounds and perhaps the the spaces where they're they're playing the game, they're they're putting on a phase. They're trying to match up with a culture that would seek less of them, mm. rather than God's picture that declares you are enough in your own skin. And I think that's where we have more freedom, mm, right? Like, yeah, that's the word. When we can be who we are in the skin we have and be who God tells us we are, we have more freedom. Um, we're free from, for me, it's free from like that grasping to be enough or to, Mm -hmm. you know, people always, I don't know, in social media, there's this, you are enough kind of thing. I'm like, no, I'm I'm really not like, (laughs) I'm not enough. That's, That's why I need Jesus. Um, I mean, I get what they're trying to say, but I disagree. Um, yeah, I, I like how you said that. Freedom is the word. I, I, that's, that's the chase. That's how I end my book that's coming. I, I have oh, the good. answer. <laughs> the answer is there. That's all the whole middle part um, is that God wants you to be free and free from all those things that make you less whole. Mm. But I, but I feel, and as you were placing both uh, vulnerability, but also the the picture of juxtaposing 
uh, loneliness to belonging. There is a place where these aspects of loneliness, the stuff we don't want to talk about, actually alert us to a deeper sense of our humanity. Loneliness as a signal to return back to my senses. I think you wrote about, maybe it wasn't that particular line, but you said something right around that, that it, it brings you back to yourself. It almost reminds you of your humanness. Um, that's my story. What, I don't want to give words to what you wrote on that, <laughs> but that uh, struck me. And that's applicable in many different ways. Do you, do you remember which part? Uh, that sounds midway through. Yeah. Um, the, it's chapter 14, and the title of that chapter is Our Five Senses. And I start with the very common knowledge that loneliness um, affects our health, like our physical health. And I list all of the things that are damaged by our loneliness. And then I say, but if our bodies can register the trauma of loneliness, they can also console us during loneliness and help find its antidotes. Specifically, our senses can console. And then I go through the five senses and offer examples of how my senses um, help me belong. Hmm. And hopefully invite others to do the same with, with their senses. It reminds me of something that I think, I feel like it's James Cone, um, black theologian, talking about the minority experience is that when you are operating in a world uh, where you are where you need to match someone else's gaze, being able to know how you have been oppressed and know in your body your place of oppression, it gives you uh, an additional layer of understanding of the world mm. and of your own self as well. And I think that's, tell me if, if this resonates with you, it's not merely a, a question around racialized identity, around that kind of aspect of, of, of a power system that's oppressing us, mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. loneliness and vulnerability in those aspects of the self, uh, it can reveal deeper pieces about ourselves as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And and it may be under the broader umbrella of suffering in general, you know, the specific ways we suffer and no suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and I always, or not, yeah, usually all, I'm like, why? Okay, God, like, could I have learned this without suffering? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, could I have learned this certain lesson that I just learned without struggling with loneliness my whole life? And the answer is no, unfortunately. Unfortunately, God uses our suffering um, to grow us and to show us the presence of God in our lives and around us. And I mean, I believe God uses other things too, but for me, suffering is very connected to the ways I experience God. Mm -hmm.
You are a spiritual director, spiritual formation yes. director. What's the right term? Um, I'm, I, I'm a certified spiritual director, but yeah, there are all kinds of different spiritual directors out mm. there with all kinds from all kinds of religions mm-hmm. too. I, I can just totally comprehend and picture how your experience as written through this book now adds this equity to your spiritual formation practice. And this is going to be the wrong question. I know it. Yeah, That's okay. I'm, I'm going to ask for a formula after we just talked about boxes. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> That's okay. How much do you, like, what, what is your approach in your practice when it comes to loneliness, uh, when people come through, maybe that's not a topic that they directly, you know, walk into. It might be now after, hey, I read your book. You're the expert on loneliness. What's kind of the process there as you, or as the person develops a, a renewed sense of, of a spiritual self? Yeah, I would, I think I can recognize loneliness more easily now. Um, maybe because I've written this book, maybe because I'm more aware of my own loneliness, maybe both. Maybe God is giving me um, eyes to see it. I don't necessarily say to a client, Oh, you sound like you're lonely. (laughs) Um, But I think I I pay attention to it and I'm sensitive to it in ways that help me make space for them to experience God and to notice how God is working in their lives. Because, I mean, we all, we were created to belong. You know, we were created for community. Um, I'm just using this language of loneliness and belonging to write a book, right? So <laughs> we, I think so much of our faith is rooted in the ways we belong to ourselves, others, and God, well, and to the world, and to art, and to everything, So I can literally, I mean, I can kind of take any topic and turn it into a conversation about loneliness and belonging. Um, So when I meet with a client and, you know, one in particular, she, and I'm not meeting one-on-one monthly with clients anymore because of some mental illness issues I had this summer. Um, I'm going to do some short-term stuff starting in the spring, hopefully, but she wasn't sure God was present in her life. She's like, God is absent. I don't, I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. I don't sense the presence of God in any area of my life. You know, I'm a spiritual director. I'm listening to this and, you know, I'm praying while she's talking and I'll ask a question here and there, but most of what I do is listen and pray when I meet with clients And what I noticed was that she feels disconnected from God. You know, she, she doesn't feel like that sense of belonging to God. And I didn't, I didn't tell her this because it wasn't the time. And she may listen to this. She may not, but the very fact that she's meeting with a spiritual director Mm -hmm. and wanting to experience God and wanting to notice Mm -hmm. God's presence is proof that God is present. Mm -hmm. Right. So simple. (laughs) 
And, but it's not my job to tell her that it's not my job to say, Oh, you're disconnected from God right now. Um, God is actually present. It's in my practice. I think some spiritual directors are, you know, will do that and say the thing, but I prefer to ask questions and wait and let God tell them the thing and help people know that it's okay to be where you are. It's okay to be in this space of not knowing God is present or not knowing how God is present. You know, you're not, and it's because I don't think anyone has enough power to, to undo God. Hmm. That's one of the things I share with folks who are in a similar place is that, and, and I think I might switch half of it, but, just hearing your story, your uh, story, that it, it's okay to struggle, it's okay to doubt, yeah. it's okay to be in this place of uncertainty. Uh, just keep struggling and doubting and sitting in this place of uncertainty. And I have thoughts about that because, okay, where you are right now today. <laughs> is forming where you're going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And for some reason, this space of whomever struggling and not believing or whatever, it's valuable and it is necessary for you to become who you're going to be and to be who you already are. And I don't want to dismiss suffering. Like I hate suffering. It sucks but having like a curiosity of saying, okay, what is God doing right now? Like, what is God up to with this specific situation and this suffering? And, and I think I asked that question because I'm wanting to know how is that going to form me or form my relationships or form my ministry or form who I am, um, who I see myself as my identity or how I relate to other people or how I love other people um, or how I fail to love other people. I mean, that helps me mm. <laughs> in my suffering to think about, okay, how, how is God making me? And who is God making me into because of this? And that, I think that helps me with my clients. You know, I had a client who thought she had cancer and there were many reasons to think she had it. And it was difficult, but I needed it helps me step away because a, I don't have any power over the situation and B like it's, it's either going to be part of her story or not. And the only way through it is through it. And we'll see what happens again. I didn't tell her any of that. Like, I don't think that's what we say to people (laughs) when they might have cancer. Maybe one last question. I might, lift this and stick it someplace else um, because it's both my own, it's both part of my old formation of what I'm hearing on aspects of loneliness. And it's also, I think, a question that culturally many people, what many people will ask because we've been culturally formed to approach vulnerability or loneliness as weaknesses or things that need to be fixed. So as you have shared your story, you have said things like, um, you, you have stated candidly that 
despite all these things, I'm lonely. Uh, and so what a reader or what a listener uh, might hear when they encounter not only your story, but the picture of loneliness is look at all that you have, but you're still lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong? What's the now shift in formation to um, perhaps go deeper in that thinking, or maybe not deeper entrenched, mm-hmm. um, but to reimagine a better way? I think early in the book, I write about core loneliness and how that is the form of loneliness that I, or one of the forms of loneliness that I struggle with the most. And it's a term uh, coined by Dr. Tom Varney in this little bitty book called Loneliness from several years ago. And it's basically this um, separation from God and separation from heaven and eternity and like the eternal life that we have. And I think we all have it. Um, but some of us feel it more deeply than others. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people who feels that core loneliness um, more than maybe other people do. That particular loneliness, and I think all of my loneliness, and I would say all of everyone's loneliness, is, is only soothed ultimately by our belonging to God. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't want that to be a pat answer to anyone, which is why I write the way I write and approach life the way I approach it. Like I don't like easy answers or answers that are used to shut people down and shut down their questions. But I sincerely believe that our belongingness to God is what ultimately soothes us and what ultimately helps us navigate our loneliness in ways that are just more normal. It becomes less of a, um, a hindrance. Mm-hmm. We can still be suffering with it, but with the perspective that our belonging to God um, is bigger, it just kind of takes some of the pressure mm-hmm. off. Thanks so much, Charlotte, for sharing little pieces, a little snapshot of both your journey and also this book. Did you have a, I don't know, is there like a poem or a vignette or something out of your book that you'd like to read? Uh, Sure. It's tempting to think of belonging and loneliness as primarily emotional experiences, but we are whole beings who inhabit this world in our physical bodies. We hold loneliness in tense necks and crossed arms. We hold belonging in confident postures and friendly smiles. We might think of the embodiment of loneliness only when considering its pathologies. Medical studies show chronic feelings of isolation can have a negative effect on one's health. Loneliness can contribute to heart disease, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, and more. Lonely people are also twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. Isolation increases the production of stress hormones, harms sleep, and impairs cognitive abilities. 
These effects of loneliness produce chronic inflammation, which lowers immunity to the degree that lonely people can experience worse symptoms from the common cold. The chronic stress of loneliness can also age the body more quickly and cause extensive damage to one's overall well-being. But if our bodies can register the trauma of loneliness, they can also console us during loneliness and help find its antidotes. Specifically, our senses can console. Our body's ability to see, smell, hear, taste, and touch assist us as we process our emotions so our minds don't have to do all of the work. The five senses help us notice and respond to the world around us. They form a bridge between the external and the internal, providing connection points that enable us to remember who we were, recognize who we are, and dream about who we want to become. Our senses help us belong to our various selves held together by the past, present, and future. That's it. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you, Charlotte, for sharing. Her book is The Great Belonging, How Loneliness Leads Us to Each Other. You can find her on Instagram or Twitter, Charlotte Donlin, at Charlotte Donlin. Vulnerability, loneliness, belonging, these are all questions that we struggle in our culture to figure out and, and be honest with, to be public with. I think that's all changing in the midst of this pandemic world. In the pandemic, we just have been stripped bare. We have to be honest with our own feelings. We have to sit in the loneliness that has been thrust upon us. We've been forced into it, into seasons of loss, and it's normal I mean, it is our normal. It doesn't mean it's right, but it is a normal to be in a space where you just got to feel that you have to sit in the loss. You have to sit with those voices in your head. And if you can't handle them, then maybe that's indicative of the next step in your own spiritual faith or personal journey to find help and get better. Grab that book. Follow us on social media next up will be another two-part edition with some fantastic authors in this season four faith in the fresh vibe podcast you need to get in on this tell everyone like your mom and your mom's friends and all that to download the podcast